All right, folks, back here in the uh, fourth floor of the Capitol. First first uh, podcast of the second uh, legislative session. How you doing, Representative Stutes? Fabulous. First broad- podcast? I feel honored. You're the first podcast of this session. So right. last last time I did it, we tried to catch up, but you're so busy. You're always, you're going a million what miles an I hour. What can I say? I know I've got lots of committees. So I want to talk, uh, one thing I want to discuss is a recent kind of fish issue Board of Fish, but we'll, we'll save that to the end. At first, I want to kind of go back and talk a little bit about you and um, your district. You're from Kodiak, right? I am from Kodiak. So you got elected in 14? Uh, to the legislature, yes. Prior to that, I was on the borough assembly for two terms, three terms. And you also, I, I know you're a, you're a former bar owner, right? I am. So do you guys- I was. You sold the bar? <laughs> I did. I sold it to my brother. It's still there? It's still there? Oh, Yes. I oh, love yes. that. I mean, a lot of it's, people from Kodiak, they say, oh, Louise, do they say right away the bar. They yeah, talk about that. Yes. It, well, it's been a family bar. My father put it in after the tidal wave, and that's how I ended up with it. Um, he was, he ran it for a lot of years, and let's see, about 23 years, and then he was killed in an accident in Kodiak. Oh, wow. Yeah, and so then I was in Washington running our family business, and I came up to Kodiak and started running the bar what was the business the family Our business family, we had a lot of rental property uh, both commercial and residential what's the bar called the village the village the village bar center of the mall so it's off the i've never i've actually never been to kodiak i've been all over alaska i got to get there i want to see i want to see the bar but i also want to see the rocket launch and you also want to see our six windmills we we are 100 percent uh renewable energy in kodiak yeah, between our windmills and our hydro dam and obviously the bears too, right? Oh yeah, we got lots of bears. So uh, you were in the borough assembly first. Why, right. why did you decide to get in politics, and, and then why why the legislature after that? Well, it's interesting because when I was in the bar, I um, and I worked usually the day shift, and I would talk to all our customers, and I was always paying attention to what was going on politically in Kodiak because it affected our business as a bar owner and. Um, owning the building that we were in, and we had tenants, so everything kind of relates. But I never ran for office because I didn't want people to think I had a conflict or I had an agenda. Yeah, maybe you could lose half the customers. <laughs> right, right. So um, I finally, after a while, decided it was time to get out of the bar business, got out of the bar business, and I had uh, several of our customers that I knew come and say, hey, you said you'd never uh, run for office when you had the bar, but you don't have it anymore. How about running for borough assembly? So I did, and I won. And that was, when was that? Oh, golly, it had to have been about 2006, maybe. So were you, were you uh, born, like raised in Kodiak, or did you move? I was born in Seattle, uh, got to Kodiak initially in 1970, and then I, that was right out of high school, and then I went back down to college and lived a few years down there and ran our life, and then when my dad uh, passed, I went back up to Kodiak. So you you, uh, you ran for the legislature, and uh, at first, because I was I pay attention. I ran in 2012, so I, I kind of pay attention, and I I heard your name, but I didn't you know, know anything about you. And then later, you kind of became really well known with this, I guess, muskox they called oh, it. Oh yes, <laughs> that was that was you and get Representative Do and Col Representative Culver and you, Seton, Seton, right? Foster, Edgemond. 
And that was before uh, speaker he was speaker Hedgeman. Correct. Right? That was when they were. Um, and it's funny too because a lot of folks now that there's some tension with were were part of the previous Republican majority years ago with under Chenault. You know, a lot of the kind of rural Democrats right. were part of that. And now it's kind of, but you, but you became kind of one of the faces for that. I mean, they, you, a lot of folks were attacking you and a lot of mailers and a lot of. Well, maybe so. I guess I didn't pay any attention because people from outside my district don't really have too much of an effect on me. Mm-hmm. My job is to represent the people that I represent district 32 and, um, and do the right thing for them and pay attention to what they want and what they what their needs are. I mean, they're the ones that walk in the booth and press the red or green button for me. So, I mean, Kodiak, you know, we have a lot of rep- representatives from you know, Anchorage and Fairbanks. But, I mean, Kodiak, it's what you and then Senator Stevens, right? Correct. So, the needs of, I mean, Kodiak, I guess you, would you consider it rural? I mean, kind of rural or? Right, rural. Because of the district, we have Cordova, we have Yakutat, mm-hmm. we have Tionic, Tititlik. Port Graham, you, you know, a lot of small communities, too, that are rural. I think one of the big issues last uh, session was the, the ferry, which... That's a big issue this I mean, session, too. <laughs> I mean, essentially affects, I mean, all of your district, right? Yes, it so, does. So the, the <clears throat> you know, these proposed cuts and then some of these ferries out of service, and what, what kind of effects is, is that having, like, what kind of real world effects is that having on people in, the, in your district? It affects every aspect of it. Whatever you do there, it affects, if you're in the Coast Guard, it affects the transportation going and coming. If you own a business there, it affects your business and enable to get your supplies back and forth. I mean, every aspect is affected. It's our highway. Mm-hmm. You know, how would, how would it be affect Anchorage or Fairbanks if you were to close, you know, the what's the highway that goes between... Um, Fairbanks and oh, is it, is the parks the, and the yeah, gl- the parks. Yeah, yeah, right. It's funny. So some, you know, people have brought up you hear some argument. Well, it's, it loses money, you know, but but roads don't make money either. That's correct. They lose and money. So that's correct. And what did it cost to build the road between uh, Anchorage and Fairbanks or Anchorage in the Valley? That didn't uh, come free. Yeah, no road. I mean, I, I forget the number, but roads are per mile. It's millions of dollars, I think, right. per, per right. mile. So so last year was the first kind of round of these ferry cuts. And then now there's been some new um, announcements about some of the ferries being taken out of service. I mean, what, what, what kind of service now does your district, Kodiak and Cordova, have compared to, you know, a couple of years ago, is it? Well, right now, Kodiak and Cordova and Yakutat have zero service. And Port Lyons and Uzinki and, um, have zero service. You know, that's... So before it was year-round... Yes. And now it's... We would have the... Um, when they pull the ferries out for um, to go to the shipyard for their um, certification and their annual maintenance, you know, we would go maybe six weeks without a ferry. But we're going from um, January... I think it was January 11th was the last ferry out of Kodiak. And we won't have one now until May. Wow. And Cordova... It's even worse. And, you know, you got to take into consideration that when Exxon Valdez, when they had the oil spill, Cordova was one of the hardest cities hit. Right. I mean, it devastated that community. They have pulled themselves up by the bootstraps. They are now a huge, huge fishing population. They have the largest small boat harbor in uh, um, the state. 
with fishing boats. They're huge. Were you were you there? Um, I think last session they had a, a meeting there, a community meeting, and I heard it was like popping. Transportation. I took my transportation committee down to Cordova, and one-third of the community showed up. Wow. So so how many, you know, in Cordova, Kodiak, I mean, how many people are relying on the ferry, you know, to get around, to get back and forth, and then how many are flying, and how much of it is goods? I mean, is, is it is it is it... Personal transportation, is it goods, is it both? What, it's all of the above, but I can tell you this. I think that Cordova feels it more than Kodiak because Kodiak has some of the big stores. We have um, we have a store that's similar to, say, like a Costco, but they bring the stuff over on the barge, and we have a Safeway store. Everything comes in on the barge. Cordova, and, and people are uh, in Cordova, they use the ferry. We have people in Cordova, they have a much smaller um, access to medical facilities. There are people in Cordova that have illnesses that are prevented from flying. So how do they get to the doctor? Mm -hmm. You can't have a baby delivered in Cordova. So if you're going to have a baby, you got to go up to Anchorage and stay there while you're still able to fly. I mean, it's really, really a, a disadvantage and a handicap. I mean, you can't, when your woman was pregnant, she can't fly. Isn't it like seven months, right? I believe to, it is seven months. Because I've, I've had friends that are pregnant. They, they, right. say they can't fly because, you know, it's right. they could have the baby. Yeah, and it's huge. It, it, has, it has been, Cordova is resilient. They'll, they'll get through it, but they certainly will pay the price. So what, what, do, you, what do you see happening this session and what, and what are your, I mean, what's, what's your ideal outcome here for, for the ferry system? Well, initially we have got to get some funding back into the uh, Alaska Marine Highway system. We have to, we have to um, pursue getting the new Testamina built. We have to take a look at what boats it's reasonable to have the maintenance performed on them so they can operate. Right now, there's, I think, six out of 11 boats running. Six of them are tied up. And now that I just heard the other day, they're um, looking at not renewing the Coast Guard certificate on the Malaspina. So that makes seven. What's happening to our fleet? My question is, why? how did these boats get in such disrepair? It's been the same people in in the positions to oversee the maintenance of these boats for years hasn't so i last uh session did some podcasts and talked about this a lot so you know part of the problem i i understand it is you know you have governors change every four years or eight years and then one governor has a vision for a big fast you know a big ferry one governor has a vision for smaller ferries and then you get new you know commissioners of transportation and you get new ferry directors and some people have kind of said maybe it should be like the railroad where it's kind of a quasi there's a board, and it's maybe not as subject to new new governors' visions. I mean, do you, do you? Well, I would say yes. I think that that's a huge concern and a huge factor. But aside from that, we've had the same people in DOT overseeing a lot of the maintenance and the scheduling and those type of things. Fifteen to eighteen years. You gotta bring them to these, your. You gotta bring them to your committee. Right. <laughs> these boats. Don't worry. <laughs> they, I will. They're coming. But these boats should not be in the disrepair they're in. To me, that's inexcusable. Coming from a fishing family, 
I mean, you have fishing boats that are every bit as old as the Tustamina, 55 years, that are in a whole lot better shape than our than the Tustamina is, and the Tustamina is public transportation. Yeah, no, and if, I went ferry, when did it start in the 60s? Or maybe even it's 54 after? years old. Uh, yeah, the ferry, the Alaska Marine Highway system started in, I don't want to say date because I think I it, was right be after, it was after statehood, right? Right, right. after statehood. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's, well, I think a lot of folks are watching that and not just people, obviously the folks who live in Southeast or near Kodiak, I mean, they more affected, but I think now a lot of the rest of the state's starting to kind of be very aware of this and, and maybe folks who never use it or don't really use it very much or um, paying, att- paying closer attention. Well, you know, I had that transportation um, committee meeting on Monday, first Tuesday, excuse me, Tuesday, the first day of session. And it was very interesting. We had a letter from the mayor of Anchorage, uh, Mayor Berkowitz, um, defining how economically valuable the Alaska Marine Highway System is to the Anchorage Bowl area. And I think that people from the rail belt and and, um, from interior Alaska are realizing how much um, the Alaska Marine Highway System contributed to their economic base without Mm -hmm. them knowing it. So um, other thing, the session, we're a couple days in, and the first day the house was... uh it's all pretty normal, huh? Yeah, it was a beautiful thing. You guys just didn't really... I mean, there was a few things about some committees, but a very, very uh, smooth. The Senate, though, was a little, little different. Were you watching Were you watching that? Or? Uh, yes, I was. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you catch any Listen, I, we've been there, done that, so I just kind of stood back as a spectator. That's all, you know, watching it. And, and I feel... They're all good people. I feel confident that it'll work out just like we did in the house, you know, eventually they'll come to terms and they'll get a good group together and they'll, we'll move on. Well, because yeah, last session, you guys had the 30 day thing. That was right. That was, that was pretty February 14th. Happy Valentine's day. Valentine's day massacre. They right. Somebody, somebody said, <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, you guys, one o'clock, you guys got going and it was pretty smooth. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a bit hard? I mean, you know, you've, you lost a few members last time, representative do representative Wilson. Um, so it's kind of like, before the previous legislature, it's kind of, what are you, 22, 23? 23. So, so it's, it's, it's not like 30 where you have some room. It's, is it challenging when it's only such, such kind of thin margins on the majority? Well, I... You guys seem to be kind of doing pretty well. It seems to be... We're a very strong caucus. We are a very strong caucus. So it, you know, it's not as challenging as it could be. Because within the caucus, I mean, there's... Some folks that are, you know, pretty conservative, and there's some folks that are pretty progressive, pretty liberal. Liberal. So, but you know, being part of a caucus like that, you certainly learn the art of compromise, and we all have uh, learned and had to compromise, and it's worked well. I'll say one thing: I've been doing this for you know over two years, but even before that, I was paying attention, and it's um, it's. In the past, the House was always a place where the easy to get information, kind of things would leak out, and the the Senate was the very tight. Nobody would say anything. Right. It is totally switched. You guys are pretty. Tight. I mean, it's hard to get people right. to talk about stuff they shouldn't talk about or get information. Once in a while, something comes out, but the the Senate all of a sudden has become a, a lot a lot a lot more right. chatty. We're you know we I have to say this with the vast differences we have in our caucus, which you just 
mentioned, some are very conservative, some are very liberal. We have a mutual respect for each other. And that's really nice. I think that we all have each other's back. And that's really important. And it's a real valuable asset that we have as the caucus. Well, I, th- I think the, from my observation last session, there was 19 of you that kind of stood together. And a lot of people thought that wasn't, you know, somebody was going to make a move, a few people. And that's really a couple, two or three people decided to do something, then it could have gone the other way. Oh, sure. You got, I mean, that's pretty incredible how it, I mean, there must have been intense pressure. There was. But, you know, I think that I'm speaking for myself. My concern was doing the right thing for the people of the state. And when you know you're doing the right thing in your own mind and in your own heart, it's easy to do. It's easy to stand strong. So some, some different legislators I've spoken with have different kind of philosophical um, ideas about this. So you represent Cody, you know, Kodiak Cordova, this community, mm-hmm. but you know, you also make laws that affect the whole state. So, so your constituents, I would assume, you know, they're your number one, but I mean, do you look at it as, as your constituents? Some, some people say that they, that's all that matter. Oh no. The rest of the state, because I, that's my district. But then others people say, well, you know what, it's, it's what I do here. It affects everybody. That's exactly how I feel. My constituents, I, I draw on my constituents to um, give me information on how they feel, but I definitely keep in mind whatever I do affects everyone. So let's, uh, let's go into this, uh, this board of fish thing. You, uh, you, you were the loose unit last last week. <laughs> I'm not and, sure why. And, and you're one of the good sports because sometimes I do this and it's like part of my business. And oh, sure. some people get so, I mean, you write something a little bit not nice, they freak out. And, you know, you, well, you, I didn't consider that not nice. It was factual. You, yeah. You said, let's do a podcast. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about no, it. No, it was a fact. And, and my response to you was, Jeff, under the same circumstances, I'd do the same thing again. So let's provide some. Down. Let's provide some background. So, and I've I told you this. Um, I, I don't pay attention very close to board of fish or board mm-hmm. of game. It's not really my thing. Um, but but you know I know a lot of people. So so somebody brought brought this to my attention. Um, there was a meeting of the board of fish in Kodiak, right? Correct. And um, you had, I guess, in the middle after the meeting had started, a couple of days in, you had written a letter um, to the chairman about some concerns about the, the process, I guess, uh, regarding the allocation, reallocation of... Not, I don't want to say it was regarding the reallocation. It was the process in how the meeting was taking place. The process in a board of fish meeting is you gather the scientific information and whatever information you can have when there's an issue that comes up you gather all the information you can, and then you listen to public testimony, and then you make your determination. It was very clear in my mind and in the mind of my constituents, which is the most important to me, that that was not the process that was followed. The outcome of this meeting by some board members had been predetermined. How many people are on the board, is it? Seven. Seven, okay. Yeah. Had been predetermined before they ever got to Kodiak. And it was clear in my mind by the comments made by board members, both on and off the record. Now, my intent in writing the letter was not to create ill will between 
myself or my office and the Board of Fish. Um, it was not my intent to call out any particular member, and it was not my intent, nor did I, reference any kind of proposal or any issue that was before the board. That's That wasn't pertinent. The, the, the letter essentially said you had, you had requested that they kind of pull back and maybe, I guess, wait to make, make the decision. Is that kind of... No, it said... It didn't even say wait to necessarily. It said, listen to all the information before you make your determination. And I felt obligated as the representative for that area to relate to the board what they were putting forth to my community. So I, I asked you, and I, I loved your answer. I asked you, did you know the letter was going to be put into the public record? Absolutely. I intended it to be. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> from, from some of the folks I talked to, they, they, they said, oh, well, it was supposed to be kind of a, you know, a special letter only the chairman Absolutely saw. Absolutely not. I went, I listened the first day I sat and I listened to all the public testimony. I listened to all the comments by the board members, as I said earlier, on and off the record. That evening, after the board of fish meeting completed, the Kodiak fishermen had a meeting and they asked me, would you like to attend the meeting? I said, sure, why not? So I went to the meeting, and Jeff, I would say there was probably maybe 75 fishermen there. I never said a word, and they were talking about different issues. And then they said, is there anything you'd like to say? And I said, I just want to ask one question. Is there anybody here that feels like the outcome of this Board of Fish meeting has been predetermined? And Every single hand in the room went up. Oh wow! What does that tell you? So, so the the issue at, at stake here is is uh, is it the allocation? Because forgive me, I don't really pay close attention to this, but the board of fish sets allocation limits, right, for different Correct. parts of the state. So, and and I absolutely, my policy personally is I don't get involved in the allocative issues. I only get involved in the process. But there's one more little factor that needs to play into this in what prompted the letter. The Board of Fish's reputation precedes them. Well, there's, so again, I don't pay attention, but I know about the fish wars and I hear all the time about, it's, I guess it's commercial and sport and it's... Right. It, it, but, but that, Jeff, again, that, that isn't what prompted the letter. The prompt, what prompted the letter was the process the process being violated. And as I said, the Board of Fish reputation precedes them. Um, I think it was two years ago, don't quote me on that, but I think it was two years ago, the Board of Fish met and they made it, they had a proposal in relation to the Sayu and Yakutat. It affected Yakutat, which is my district. Mm -hmm. And it was a board-generated proposal at the meeting, and they acted on the proposal. There was no public notice, no public comment, nothing. It was just a slam dunker. <laughs> so I write a letter to the Board of Fish. They said, oh, I guess somebody's watching. And they called an emergency meeting to reverse their action at that meeting because it was not the proper process. I wasn't as concerned of the outcome as I was the lack of process 
and having the appropriate people notified so they could testify. So just and then to add to it, last year the state ombudsman uh, reprimanded them for not following the proper process. So the the the, the kind of when I realized this was a big deal. Um, was when I when I listened to the audio of the of the board talking about the letter on the right. Did you hear that? I did not hear it because it was. You should listen to it. It's, they're they're uh, they don't they don't hold back at all. I mean, they were they were all pretty pissed. Um, and I guess the concern from them was it's a elected official, legislative uh, legislator coming in and telling us you know our business and. Um, that's kind of when I realized well this might be a you know bigger thing just because of every of the comments that they had all made about the letter. I am a legislator, and I represent my district. That is my job. I am also the chair of fisheries. That is my job. There is a statute that creates the process. And as a legislator and as a representative to my constituents, when I see that process being violated, I need to step up to the plate and say, hey, there's a process here that you folks need to uh, follow. And it is my determination, listening to you, that that process is not being followed. Now, if I don't act on it, I'm being remiss in doing my job, from my opinion. And I stand behind the letter. Totally. So, so if you could go back, you you do it You do it again. I'd do the very same thing, because it was the right thing to do. You know, there is a process, clear and simply. And I've heard about all the people or the... that different board members. I never even asked the names and I specifically haven't listened, as you said, to the audio of it. You should, you should listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good and, five minutes. And uh, my response is, uh, the lady doth protest too much, methinks, That's, as yeah. Shakespeare would say. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, going for, how, how often do they meet quarterly or do they meet? Kind of well, whatever? I, let's see, I don't know how many times a year they meet. Frankly, um, I know their next meeting, I believe, is going to be in Cook Inlet. And um, I like to follow them because I like I like to know what's going on. Very rarely do I ever say anything. I think this is the first time that I've been at a Board of Fish meeting that I actually did any, had any kind of action or um, communication other than to say hello yeah, I mean, you make an interesting point too about your obligation in the in the statutes. I mean, the governor appoints these folks, but then they have to be voted on by by the legislators, right? And confirmed. So there is, I mean, there's a bit of a relationship with you know we we uh, we we vote we confirm you. So right, and it is my job, and and when my constituents are saying whoa, you know, that's my job. Well, I'm going to be following. I'm going to be following the board of fish now. Maybe a little more, a little more closely. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting, and and I I tried to be very, very specific in writing the letter, of not calling out any one board member, because it's a board as a unit, so they all need to follow the process, and not um, referencing any of the proposals because that wasn't my issue so, either. So, so I, I guess the reason. There's called the fish wars, or there's so much controversy is because these seven people, I mean, they they have huge amount of power and control over thousands of Alaskans who whose lives, commercial or whatever it is, you know, big or small, to to make make their money. Absolutely, so it's, it's, it's. I mean, we're talking about a lot of people and a lot of money. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a lot of money. And we saw what happened, you know, last year with uh, the, the, the what happened with on the floor with the, the Johnstone guy. That was that was pretty well, pretty wild. <laughs> right, it was, and you know, it's you, you got to do to me right is right and wrong is wrong, and you got to do the right thing. So moving on, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, what you know. What are you? This session to me, I think the big uh maybe the only thing that really matters is this formula this dividend formula because that pretty much determines everything else i think you know jeff i would have to agree with you um you know a lot of people say we need new revenue then of course the argument for that is what you want to tax people so you can give them a bigger dividend well it's it's interesting because if if you brought somebody to alaska who's not from here who's just maybe knows about politics you you have very very some very 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 conservative members, who 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 basically okay okay we're, we're pay, paying a full dividend but we want to tax, and then you have some very very kind of progressive members, who say look let let's you know use some of this earning for for without you know without taxing, well, so it's it's just really it's just interesting how the lines aren't really traditional they don't follow traditional political lines here's something very interesting so we were at the young fisherman group is here in uh, juno and they were coming to my fisheries committee today and prior to the fisheries committee we had kind of a, a panel and we had speaker edgement uh, representative vance myself representative ortiz uh senator michiki and um the Chief of Staff for the Governor, uh, Ben Stevens, was there. And as we were talking, the speaker was talking about the budget and the different items in the budget and the PFD and everything. And so I said to these young kids, they're voters, they're, and they're a young group of kids, I would say anywhere from maybe 1920 to, I don't know, 30, 35 you know, a variety of ages, but they were voters, they're young entrepreneurs having their own business. And I said, just for the, just for my own curiosity, and there was probably 75 kids in the room, young people in the room. I said, raise your hand if you would rather have a more moderate dividend and maintain your state services. Every hand in the room except one went up. I said, now raise your hand if you'd rather have a larger dividend with less state services. One hand went up. It was amazing. These young people get it. Well, I mean, you could also go, I, I've always, I've, that's a good point. And also I, I, I tell people, you know, would you rather have $3,000? Once. Once and a shitty economy and a, and a, and a, and a Right. All, all you know, all kinds of, of, of uh, economic problems, um, or a good job. Right. It, but it was it was really um, encouraging to me to see these young people get the picture. They see it. I I, I do understand, and and uh, you know, I, I know the court ruled on this, and it's the statute's still there. So I mean, I do. It is interesting because the statute's still there, and. There's there's a formula, and obviously it hasn't been you know followed for four or five years, um, but it's it's just it's it's there's so much f so many forces 
on everybody to prevent what should be a simple, you know, really it should be a simple change, whether it's 50-50 or 60-40 or 70, whatever it is. But it just seems that that's, I, I don't even, do you think it's going to happen? It's a simple change if you can get 21 in the House to agree to the formula and 11 in the Senate to agree to the same formula. <laughs> it's a simple change. That's, that's the hurdle. You got to have a majority to make the change. And there are, you know, as you might guess, I've heard 50-50. I've heard 10-90. I've heard a percentage I think it's got, you know, it's, I, I looked at it pretty close. I mean, I think it's 65, 35, 65 going to the government. That's probably kind of where it needs to be. I mean, otherwise, if it's 50, 50, I mean, you still run into the same problem where there's well, not, enough, not enough money right? for, for the, you know, based on the POMV, which is the, the 5.25%. That's kind of a, those, confl- those two things kind of conflict with each other. This, this draw and then the amount uh, for the dividend and the formula. I mean, you could pay the full dividend, but then you have to, you don't have enough money for the government. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, the topic of conversation I've heard several times thus far, just this session, is what it would take and how we can grow that fund to uh, $100 billion. Can you imagine? Well, I, mean, we're, I did a podcast with David Thiel last, last uh, session, and I tell people all the time, I said, you know, do you, I said, do you go to conferences with your counterparts and he's oh yeah yeah and i said what are you know what do they say you know we're pretty kind of unique what do they what do they say and he goes oh they say we're insane he goes <laughs> almost everybody else argues about how much to tax we argue about how much to to pay out right and you know if we get if we got the fund i mean right now with a moderate dividend i mean chris birch used to point this out all the time you can have a dividend you can have a healthy budget capital budget operating budget no taxes that's right. a great that's a great deal. Most people envy would envy that in other states. I always laugh at uh, Chris thinking about Chris Birch because we'd sit down in the lounge sometimes and we'd talk about the dividend and, and the compromise. And, and Chris Birch always says, I think I've compromised more than anybody else because as far as I'm concerned, the dividend should be zero. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I've heard him, I heard him say that yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was with us. He, he, he was... Um, you know, he was very clear about that. Even when he was running, I mean, go, going back to the house and when he ran for the, he never shied away from that. That was his position, very clear. He was know? a very unique, very kind, very sincere man. Yeah, he, I was very friends with the good friends with him, and that yep. was a very He's tragic. Tremendously missed, tremendously missed. Well, Representative Stutz, it's been great doing doing. I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a I while, so we got to do another. You're 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 a good one. Oh, <laughs> some people some people sometimes they uh, they kind of wishy washy, but you you just kind of tell tell you. Tell it is truth. what it is. You know, I would rather tell people what I think and have them disagree with me than guess where I'm coming from. Well, I've always said, you know, it's much better. The the enemy you know is much better than the enemy you don't know. Bingo. And sometimes in this building, a lot of folks don't know the enemy until it's too late. Right. Well, hey, you know what, Jeff? I really appreciate the opportunity, too. Yeah, we'll do. We'll, I, I'm glad you did that. We'll do I'm another one. And I definitely want to come to Kodiak, and I want to see a launch. I want to see a bear, and I want to go to your bar. Okay, perfect. So that's the trifecta. Okay. Okay, Representative Stutz. Thanks a lot. Folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll be doing a lot more podcasts from the Capitol here during session. And if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.